6,000 members of staff, moving them to work at home overnight and ensuring that they had their laptops to their you know homes and they were all set up to be working like within you know a day or two was a major practical challenge for a lot of companies um, they found that easier than they would have thought that it could have been you are listening to the align remotely podcast the show dedicated to helping you lead distributed teams under difficult circumstances I'm the host, Luke Shermer, and I've participated in or run distributed teams for almost a decade. As a practitioner, I'm speaking with experts on leadership, strategic alignment, and remote work to help you navigate the issues you start facing after you get your working from home gear sorted. Last week, we started a two-part episode uh, uh, with the team with Data Truth, who've done a quite detailed survey and poll uh, of leaders and managers in companies of all sizes. Um, There's a lot of talk about working from home and that kind of thing, but what that actually means for companies uh, and the the people who are organizing the teams, uh, I think there's much less of that kind of a thing. And um, you might want to go back and have a listen on that one, uh, where uh, Tristan and, and, and Rashmi go into the uh, the details of how the interviews and the polls were conducted and kind of the headline uh, takeaways that they had uh, in terms of the operating models and other things. And uh, here we go with the rest of this uh, this week's episode all the way through to the end with all of the actionable insights that they've unearthed. What about the biggest practical challenges that you've heard from the, the people you were interviewing and surveying? Um, practically speaking, it probably goes back to that point we, we, we talked about with the, with the larger meetings, the larger calls and so on. People were finding that to run a, a workshop for, with, with 15 plus people, the amount of upfront preparation work required for that was just significantly increased because you couldn't rely on the kind of the physical props that you'd normally have to run a workshop like that you had to have far more preparation in advance Uh, also just add to that going back to those call centers for example moving a hundred people overnight and ensuring all of them or even i think it went up to as close as like six thousand members of staff moving them to work at home overnight and ensuring that they had their laptops couriered to their you know homes and they were all set up to be working like within you know a day or two was what was a major practical challenge for a lot of companies. Um, still, they found that easier than they would have thought that it could have been. But also, yeah. when, you, when you're working remotely, there are a lot of other challenges that come with that. Leaders may not have had the time to focus on the security. A big challenge is ensuring um, that data doesn't get compromised during this time, that everybody's rushing to work from home, that people have their security defences in place. They've assessed the risk of potential cyber threats. And I think this was something that, when we had to do this, uh, a lot of people didn't have time to, to set this up. But now actually going forward, this is probably going to be another priority for companies going forward and something that definitely should not be ignored. The more that fishers know that people are working from home, the, the, the likelihood increases of them being compromised. Security, definitely another challenge. I think. Not to forget the obvious as well. I think it's important to recognise that every individual's situation is different. And um, certainly those that experience some of the most difficult um circumstances were were those with young families i think it became even more important for those individuals to be able to draw uh 
a boundary and a distinction between between home and work because juggling a young family at the best of times is, is tricky but when when trying to do that when potentially both the parents are working as well it became pra practically close to impossible many companies that we spoke to responded to this very well or certainly the strongest responses were around giving people the, the space and the time they need to to be able to work even more flexibly if they needed of course that has the follow-on effect of of taking away potentially those boundaries because people are making up time weekends and evenings as well that becomes a, a significant uh, challenge on a practical level i did speak to a couple of companies leaders who said that they were happy to reduce the level of expectation on their staff at that time to reduce the workload altogether and um, so I, I think i had one one leader who ran this survey before and ran and and follow-up survey every two weeks but right from the beginning of this is right what do my team need what is their background situation what is their family life like at the moment and what support are they going to need over this period and what they found that for the families in particular that it's okay to to work at 80 percent of the, the 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 your usual workload to cover what we need for this period and so the flexibility i think helped companies gain loyalty too and I think that yeah. improved culture in, in that time. And I think a lot, a lot of people kind of benefited from that, yeah. the, the understanding that their, their bosses gave to them. I think that's right. Those businesses that put the needs of their people first will actually have fed well through the period because, as, as Rashmi says, will have, have driven increased loyalty with their teams. This is an area that I think it's, it's really tied to what happened with the schools and the preschools uh, and what the government was doing there. <laughs> so clearly an effect of government policies around how that affects the individuals and the overall yeah. economy working. What other concerns do leaders have about the pandemic, uh, at least when you were when you were yeah. actively engaging with them. No, sure. We've covered some aspects of this already, but just to touch touch on the main themes, I think there were three main areas of concern when we were carrying out the interviews. One was around the perceived difficulty in transitioning out. So they we had experienced it actually being quite easily transitioning in to lockdown and increased remote working, but they were quite worried about what's this going to be like coming out of it? because suddenly the, the picture's not so clear. You've got this hybrid, some people remote, some people not. What are the expectations? Uh, and coupled to that on the horizon is a very uncertain looking economy. There's a lot of commercial challenges on the front as well. So they, they had concerns in that respect. The second area was around this point we touched upon about what, what we might have lost by having increased remote working and certainly by having fully remote working. And just to recap some of the main ones there, again, we talked a lot about the culture, the cultural hub, and the fact that that ability to differentiate the identity from one business to another has kind of disappeared. In addition to that, this, this concern about having lost the ability for knowledge to just be transferred organically. So everything has to require transactional information being sent. And, and, and they're worried about what we're losing here that we might not be aware of or falling down the gaps. The experience when you're in an office environment, again, it goes back to that sort of intuitive feel, really. When you walk into an office, you're, as a human, you'll pick up all of these signals and, and cues about what's going on in the office, who's speaking to who, what the atmosphere is like, uh, what the main issues of the day are, and so on. And that is, and you, you take that into your subconscious and you intuitively know what to do with that as a member of a team. And that, that kind of seems to have Obviously, that does not exist in a virtual and remote and distributed setting. Really big one, what we might have lost, though, is this ability to learn by watching others. There's a lot of supporting research around this, is that, that we don't just learn by reading information off the internet, but people, people uh, learn very effectively by being in the presence of others while they are doing their work. So more senior people, colleagues. And so 
again, it goes back to that disadvantage for juniors. People will progress in their career because they will subconsciously and intrinsically learn from people about how those people go about their their day-to-day work and how they how they kind of operate and you don't get any of that over a zoom call or email exchanges so the ability for people to actually upskill and learn is vastly diminished I, i think that's actually a point you know for those who have worked distributed and remote for a long time that's actually a point which has always existed but is not necessarily well recognized it's very easy to be in your cave working remotely if you're a solo entrepreneur or you're working as part of a distributed team and your only channel and means for learning is online content there's a whole load there's a whole raft of other dimensions to your progression as an individual which you're not getting by not being in the presence of others and i think that this will really exacerbate that and it will make it very difficult for people in the early stages of their career especially people learn throughout all stages of their career what what the next steps are and how those people that are more senior them are working uh, and so it leads on to this kind of lack of visibility lack of exposure for anybody wishing to look, to progress because a lot of that exposure comes from the personal interactions we seem to have gained some things there've been some positives from this but there's all this kind of stuff in the shadows that we've lost we we don't really know what that is or the full extent of the damage that will be created from that by having increased remote working one of the people we interviewed said this is why the flexibility is so important because it's how do we take the best of what we had before with the best of what we learned during lockdown and, and fuse those together into a more productive future and where people are happier working and just in general enjoying their lives and their work lives more that whole way of learning by watching if you look at preschoolers or kindergartners <laughs> exactly. that's that's pretty much how they yeah. evolve so exactly. quickly so it's it's yeah, something yeah. We, we keep with us when we get into the professional context so, what what were the respondents saying about what's after the pandemic i think it comes from the back of the concerns one of the challenges going forward will be how to if indeed flexibility is the way forward for a lot of businesses how do you coordinate and manage the logistical aspects of that for your team with conflicting schedules for example and i think that's going to be one of the challenges that come from this potentially if there are really conflicting schedules and people are more used to this flexible way of working does that then cause and add more friction to the collaborative working experience and maybe like only time will tell but i think that this is going to play a part in the operating models going forward there will be possibly some difficulties in trying to make varying schedules match but still try to um do what's best for the business also so you're kind of balancing all of these needs while still trying to run a business um, i think that will be quite a big, big upcoming challenge so people like working only part part of the week you mean or yeah so there might be some people working part of the week but some actually want to work mornings look after their you know children early evening maybe want to start work again later on that evening and so you're going to have kind of all of these varying desires through this period and are they sustainable and how do you, how do managers yeah. how do leaders actually make them all match up you know and and you know and and find a happy medium for all members of the team exactly exactly how how do you actually make that flexibility work in practice is a key thing that businesses are going to need to try and work through in a few months because because that clearly seems to be what people have recognized and it's a preference but as as one person i spoke to put it who who was a bit on the skeptical side of whether this was such a such a good thing that we were so remote and in fact his view was that this 
it's made his job quite a lot more difficult because he really valued uh, the kind of co-working collaboration and felt like the energy that having all the team together there was a large part of how they operated so effectively and had always held this line that working remotely it was on a, a very occasional basis and it was best to have everybody in and uh, he, he was quite you know concerned by the fact that he wouldn't be able to hold that line so strongly anymore and in a way sort of concerned with the outcome of our research which was that everybody's saying it's easier and it's fine and it's more flexible and you need to be more flexible he put it like well everybody else's flexibility is my inflexibility right like when we need to get stuff done now we can't because that person's not here because they're off like having doing their lunch or they're not working till this evening and everything else and he likened it to how in the summer months uh, or the summer weeks of every year you get this really bad spell of mass kind of uh, macro um, productivity because everybody's got these uncoordinated holidays going on through a period of about sort of six or seven weeks whereas when you have Christmas for example or the Easter weekend everybody's off all at the same time and then everybody's back and there's an efficiency about that uh, and, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, there is. and uh, yeah uh, we all know we're all here. We all know we're all not here, right? A coordinated holiday is a good thing. And so his his major concern was, well, if we go into this kind of soup-like flexibility for everybody, how are we actually going to make that work going ahead in, in, in where high levels of collaboration are lead, needed in working environments? It also begs the question of, you know, to what extent are these centralized versus distributed type of working styles appropriate for each one and if you try to do a centralized one in a remote context it where, where you've got a yeah. small number of decision makers making all the decisions it's like <laughs> everybody's gonna end up frustrated <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely yeah. it will make those kind of structures even more difficult than they already were i think on the point of what what's coming after this goes back to that point about one of the main things people were asking about is what's going to happen next mm -hmm. uh, and what are going to be the priorities of businesses and uh, other leaders and so on and I think that there were four main areas that people thought would be, when asked, what's going to be top of your agenda as we start to transition back out of this? The very top of, of the majority of, of agendas was around culture and looking after people, which was which great to hear and, and good to see. So it was that people come first because they, the, the whole business is built on the people and every, everything else follows on from that, really. Closely followed by attention, business development, sales, protecting revenues of the business and so on for obvious reasons, because there's a lot of uncertainty around that. So there was a lot of focus being put into how, how we're actually going to adapt to that going forward. And related really was a point on innovation and transformation and how businesses might need to adapt over the medium and long term going forward, including complete changes to business model and needing to innovate and launch new new initiatives, completely pivot and change what, what they've been what they've been doing prior prior to the, the pandemic. So quite a large focus there on innovation. And then the other themes were mentioned, but the four top ones uh, running through here was, was kind of on the resilience side. How can we be better prepared for this in the future? How, what do we need to do within our businesses and how we're operating to shore up on the resilience and robustness front to be prepared if something like this should happen again? Just to touch on the innovation point, we actually started to ask, um, thinking about the next steps of, of, of what we could do to help. We started to ask those that we were interviewing which of, of three areas we kind of work in would be most most useful to them to have a perhaps attendance to a free training course in and we asked would you which of these would you be more likely to attend would it be uh, a course on how, how to build and run a highly productive software engineering team with a, an increased focus on the remote working aspects of that due to what we were going through would it be uh, how to take a digital product from idea to launch in 90 days or less or 
or would it be how, how to build a data platform using serverless cloud technology? And they, they were aligned to the main three things we did, but we were interested to see where where's the interest peaked uh, at this particular point in time. And it came down very significantly on the middle option there along the lines of how, how would you take an idea from uh, a digital idea from uh, idea to launch in, in 90 days or less. And uh, that was, I think, accounted for more than 50% of the, the answers in that. So it, it seemed clear to us and it was supported by some of the conversations we had that 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 need to be to act quickly, to innovate, to adapt, to produce new things over the next few months and, and years is going to be high on people on on the agendas of 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 leaders and 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 be an area of focus i think so for the for in terms of what's 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 happening next hmm. yeah. i wonder how much of that's related to shifts in the market versus kind of shifts in the organization itself like in terms of needing to pivot to different customer segments or something like that yeah i mean just having you think about the conversations that we've had i think there were a lot of um around innovation I'm not sure if you mentioned this actually, you know, we, we did have, we, in this poll, we'd asked how many of the businesses from these professionals that we were asking were actually innovating as a result of the pandemic. I think we've got like, there's about 65% who said we are innovating as a result. So, you know, and it goes to show they are changing things, they are adapting, um, they're finding new ways to survive. And, and actually what came yeah. from that is better, more targeted segmenting. And um, it was one of the, one of the outcomes from, at my conversations personally was well now we have to we have to be really smart about who we're targeting with our business and actually maybe we just need to focus in a single area single market yeah and then really um spreading um ourselves too thinly so maybe that you know maybe that's um, one of the ways that companies will be innovating is again just reimagining their their audience profiles just yeah. going back to the drawing board with that a bit i think that's still unfolding really for for many of these industries we've had industries that have really boomed during this time you know i class amazon as a whole industry by itself uh, <laughs> so um there have been you know a lot of industries that overnight have actually been really successful and then it's for all of those others now that we're in a new period with new customer preferences consumerism potentially having changed more online spending more than ever actually more people getting used to the fact that they don't need to go shopping as much or go out as much and have potentially got more used to being inside or being in nature and being with family and friends. So then how, how do businesses make sense of that um, and innovate around new customer preferences? There's some real positive outcomes there in, in terms of some businesses being able to adapt quite quickly. So either you know, some, some businesses effectively just, just got lucky, like by, by the yeah. pandemic, and that they, they suddenly yeah. were growing at an unprecedented rate because of the de high demand for what they did anyway. But there were... Uh, like Zoom, <laughs> for example. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, um, but I recall having quite a few conversations with businesses which have been able to... They, it wasn't initially, but they were in a position to pivot and move and change quite quickly. And so they, they, they were able to adapt what they were doing already, able to target a different segment of the market where, where um, effectively business was booming and they could just shift to that and pivot to that very quickly. Yeah. I, I think we didn't actually, this wasn't a firm that we interviewed, but it was something I, I found out about later, which is there was a, you know, a, a startup that I learned about that are doing supply chain automation for for, for, for procurement effectively for manufactured parts for all, all kinds of devices so build, building 
uh, a platform around streamlining and optimizing that 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 process to bring you know, potentially hundreds of of components together. Now, clearly, they they had quite a broad view because they had industries where suddenly manufacturing just stopped because it, everything got put on hold. But then they could quite easily redirect what they were doing because in other areas of the market manufacturing was booming like crazy as long as they were targeting those customers that were making necessary medical device and equipment and ppe and so on they very quickly could bounce back as a business from it in a similar vein i heard about a gin distillery being able to step in and and mass produce sanitizer hand sanitizers so there was a kind of like pivot there and local local pubs sending cheese boards and 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 beer to their local uh, community mm. so mm. on a small scale but still pivoting and just able to think quickly really it's those businesses that are thinking on their feet and, and transitioning and pivoting that will survive in terms of the things that you've seen working well with the companies that you've spoken with what are specific kind of actionable things that our listeners yeah. can can do yeah, no, sure. I think we've covered some of this already, but it'd be good to, to, to recap it. Top of the list is around putting the people first, clearly a sensible thing to do. So listening to people, putting their putting their needs at the center of the decisions that are, that are being made. Most businesses really increased the frequency with which they were surveying their teams. I think the response rates to those surveys increased a lot, especially initially. So they would move to taking pulse surveys once to see what the feel of the teamwork. Obviously, more important when you can't get a sense of that from the office. Putting those surveys out regularly and consistently is really important to engaging your staff, making them feel heard, but actually acting on what they're saying too, so that they know that's not a waste, really, because often you get these surveys and nothing being done from them. But I think in this case, there was a lot of action on the back of these surveys, feedback surveys. Were there any tools in particular that companies were using? The PECON was definitely one that was mentioned to us that, that kind of specialised in employee engagement survey tools and so on. Qualtrics have a product in this space as well. Didn't, didn't know of anybody using it, but I understand they do. Yeah, yeah there's also High Five, High Five that companies use for internal engagement. There's always the fallback of just making a type form. Keep it simple. Um, and also there's, um, it could be a five minute conversation that you have with your immediate team. A five-minute yeah. check-in that you have. And that, that's the thing, like one-to-one, certainly. Uh, that's actually something we haven't mentioned, but sig- significant number of the people we, we spoke to just turned up the regularity of those. As a theme, like, strong communications was seen as a cornerstone of getting through the period effectively. Yeah. And communications in every sense. So communications with internally, with employees, with peers, with senior members of the team, increasing those, increasing the frequency, improving the quality of communications. And likewise, of course, with clients as well, and indeed suppliers. So opening up the channels, being clear on communications, having a strong communication strategy. We, we had quite a few people report that they felt that communications within teams on the ground really improved. It was almost like they'd given an opportunity to have to train live on how to improve the way they were communicating with each other. <laughs> really, um, yeah, in many cases, they felt that really improved things. It, it drove greater awareness of what was going on, for example, across projects. So because they, they were forced into a situation where they had to overcompensate for gaining visibility. And that was helpful and, and sort of improved the, the means in which they're communicating. On the flip side, I think that there was some frustration expressed that the, the corporate communications wasn't more clear, that the plan, the strategy, that there were there were some cases where they didn't feel that 
it was as robust and, and as good a reaction to the situation as, as it could have been. Obviously, very difficult in, in difficult times for businesses. I think a lot of people were left in the, in the dark about what was happening or what was going on. Um, in any time of change, you need to build clarity into your communications, especially in a pandemic when people already had the anxieties and fears, health concerns, financial concerns, um, there's multiple threats going on um, in the background. So how do you come in as, as a leader and how do you make them feel a little bit more secure about the situation? And I think communications can't be understated that even if you don't necessarily know exactly what's going to happen next, it's having a regular stream of com communications and being consistent with that, taking people on the journey with you instills confidence. So having a single channel, for example, on Slack, which is one of the communication um, channels used most during this time, having that single channel and a single, a short daily update went a long way during this period just to bring people along with you. And actually, if by not having that, it immediately makes people feel confused about what's going on, which adds to their threats. And actually what you want to do is in that work environment is make them feel secure and safe, as it were. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. And yeah. also around, especially around the pandemic, though, what are you as a business doing to make people feel safe, you know, in terms of like the health concerns too, in terms of social distancing in particular, what are businesses doing around that? When people were to return, did they have measures in place? Were they being communicated effectively? Um, and that that helped reduce some of the anxieties around going back to work, as it were, if, if that were to yeah. be the case. One person in a lift, for example. <laughs> I, I think in terms of other actionable stuff, this, this thing we've covered quite a bit about defining that new model for work, how, where and when is work going to get done? How are we going to manage to build flexibility in? And related to that, how are we going to approach the challenges forming cultural identity for the business and, and, and holding on to that cultural identity over the long term and including onboarding and integrating people into the business making them feel a part of the company that they they work for and the business they're associated with a, a, a small kind of practical note is on the the, the donut app uh, is an app that you can integrate with slack that allows businesses with larger teams where it kind of randomly pulls people together that wouldn't necessarily normally talk to each other it's the kind of thing that people get you get to know other colleagues sort of serendipitous in an office environment, but it doesn't really happen so easily virtually. The donut app sort of facilitates that to some extent by pairing people and striking up conversations. Buddies. Striking up buddies. Yeah. I think importantly, there were a lot of positives to come out of this time. People were saying that they had more time to spend with their families, that they spent less time commuting and therefore saving on energy and time. We need to hold on to these positives. How can we take these forward? How can we carry these forward? And um, and as Tristan said earlier, you know, building a productive workforce um, and a happier workforce, a healthier workforce. Um, and you know, it was a it was a tough time. It was a tough period. Lots of, as I say, anxieties and fears. But there there was a lot gained from it too. So um, just taking time to reflect on that with your teams, working out, having a little bit of a retrospective, and working out what worked well during this time together, so that you know you're all engaged in this, bringing some of those experiences, taking some of those experiences forward. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely huge positive changes, especially for people who are introverts <laughs> in, a, in a company mm -hmm. environment. Yeah. Leveling out of the playing field, as they say. Yeah, I guess we're kind of slowly coming up on time. Where's the best place for listeners to get a copy of the report? Uh, so we actually have two versions of the report. So there's the full, the full blown version, which is a bit more detail in terms of the numbers and certainly the detail on the kind of insights and actionable bits and pieces then we have a more of a social media friendly version so that social media version is available on linkedin my profile tristan neagle on the 
the data truth page as well so that's available right there on linkedin and can be downloaded the full version is a bit heavyweight for for linkedin so uh, if you'd like a copy of that feel free to just uh, connect with us on linkedin and request that copy uh, or you can email us at start at datatruth.co.uk and we will send you a copy of the, the reports there as well it's been a real pleasure to to talk with those we've spoken to about this throughout this and be able to produce something that's useful and it's been great to see uh, the positive feedback we've had about work we've done because it's made it uh, worthwhile so thank you for taking the time and, and interest thank you both for hopping on and uh, yeah it's definitely a great piece of work and i think answers a lot of questions about what everyone else is thinking <laughs> in this slightly unexpected experience where nobody has any experience doing something similar so it's, yeah. uh, it's quite a useful piece of research that you've done I don't know about you, but for me, I think the the question of what might have we lost was really intriguing in this episode. Uh, having a real think about what is it about the office that is really useful and that we take for granted that actually could have a longer term impact beyond you know just running everything fully distributed and remote. Um, also, the the whole idea of how companies differentiate each other uh, with each other uh, in terms of effectively competing for employees. I mean, if everyone's distributed and remote, um, that really makes it not that big of a difference if you work for company A in the industry or company B. I mean, it, it, it you're still basically in the same physical location, looking at the same screen. Um, with a slightly different constellation of people around you, but they're, let's say, effectively in the same boat. So uh, it makes quite a, quite a big difference. Um, and yeah, they had uh, quite a good lot of tools that uh, were new to me also. So um, hopefully you found some value out of that. And um, yeah, uh, thanks for listening in and tune in next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Align Remotely podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.